we've covered F, K, and G, sh and sh, L. And now we have three more. <laughs> so, okay, three sounds left. We're gonna go over TH, <laughs> we're gonna go over S, and then we're gonna go over R. And let's leave R for the end because R just stresses me out. So let's start with TH. <laughs> I think we could do a whole podcast just on R. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, TH again, very visual sound, right? The, the, I call it the thinking thumb sound. I put my thumb on my chin and I have the kids stick out their tongue and blow. Uh, again, you don't want them to bite too hard. So you tell them if there's an ouch, then it's too hard. Um, it's a very spitty sound like F. So <laughs> um, not very COVID friendly, I guess. Uh, but uh, with the thinking thumb sound, one of the things I really like to tell the kids is, you know, we always tell kids not to stick their tongues out at us. I, I tell them this is a really fun sound because it's the only time a grown up will tell you that they want you to stick your tongue out, you know, at them. So so they, you know, kind of often will get a giggle out of that. And it, it does always amaze me that, you know, kids that have, we often see kids that have a frontal list pattern, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about S, but they use TH for S, but when it gets to TH, they don't use the TH. And I'm always baffled by that. I'm just like, wow, I, I can't believe they, you know, use F or they use D or whatever they use for TH because, you know, it's, it's there with the S, but, but that's when, you know, thinking about how something sounds, giving them very specific cues on placement and on manner are important because, you know, they, they don't often hear themselves. Like it's very hard when you're listening, even when you're, you know, any person, if you don't actively think about what you're saying while you're saying it, you have to, you know, work so that you're doing that, you know, you have to make an effort to do that, I guess. And so you have to teach kids how to do that. So so yeah, with the TH, I, I tell them that their teeth is a cage, their, their tongue is a snake, and the snake has to escape the cage, right? Uh, I use the opposite approach with S, so we'll get to S next, but, uh, but yeah, it, and I find um, the tactile cue of the thumb, you know, at the chin, it reminds them that the tongue needs to come out of the mouth, and, uh, you know, and that I also will do, obviously, when you're working on TH, the voiceless or the quiet TH is more common than a voice TH, uh, and, but I will work on both. So I'll show them that there's a th and a th sound. Uh, and I mean, the, the, the voice TH is a difficult one because it's really just words like this, that, there, you know, and there's not very good visuals for those. But having said that, they're very high frequency words with literacy. So it's important that they do learn you know, that there's a, a noisy and a quiet TH, you know, and that, you know, it's, it's an important distinguish, distinguishing marker to make. Okay. All right. I'm, um, I, I have a lot of grad students listening just before we go into S and R and I feel like this is going to be so helpful for them because I feel the most insecure about like articulation stuff. And I mean, I ask you a lot when we're having our chats about articulation. So it's so helpful to hear some things that you've learned and you've been working so much longer than me <laughs> as long as I've been alive <laughs> which I think is the coolest thing ever but um so it's just so nice to have you on and I still have some of these strategies I try and they just they don't work <laughs> so that still happens so you know sometimes you have to get really you know like it, it's kid by kid right so yeah. Have, you know, these are sort of my go-tos, but sometimes my go-tos, I have to rework as well. So yeah. but 
but you know, it's nice to start somewhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just nice to hear ideas that like you've been using and that they work and they're just different things than I've heard of, you know, and it, we don't necessarily learn a lot in class about it necessarily strategies and things like that for specific sounds we I found we didn't really learn that and then in our placements it kind of just depends the caseload that your SLP has so then mm-hmm. if you get a lot of articulation you know then you just yeah so it's kind of nice to hear this from you um okay we have two left we have S and R let's let's start with S <laughs> the SLP's favorite sounds S and R uh I mean S obviously we work a lot on S uh we mostly work on it in the context of either a you know a frontal or a lateral lisp uh, I personally find the frontal lisp is a lot easier to shape than the lateral lisp. <laughs> but you know, having said that, I mean there there are some kids that have a, a, the way that they say s. I'm not even sure that I could reproduce it myself. Like it's a pattern that has evolved, however it's evolved, and it's there. And so you really just have to, you know, kind of start from you know the very basics, work your way up. I do find with s that using the phoneme T is very helpful. So uh, so basically S is just a T in hold, right? So if you think I, I'll even use visuals like the tapping of a drum, or I'll use my finger where I'll have some blocks and I will tap the blocks as I go. So I put a sequence of blocks or drumsticks with a tap and I will go t, 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 and hold it or I'll go and I'll, I'll increase the speed of the T. So I'll try to transition that T because most kids have a T, right? Uh, and so I try to take the T and turn it into an S because it's, you know, the, the placement is virtually the same, um, you know, and, and with S too, again, there are some kids who make a perfectly good S as far as the quality or the manner of the sound, and it may be further forward in the mouth than other kids, right? So it doesn't have to be the precise placement um, if the manner is there. So as long as the I find the placement isn't doing too much uh, interference with the manner, like as long as you're getting it, you want this, you want it to sound good, right? So if you know if the tongue tip is a little further forward than maybe is what we've learned in school years ago, then as long as they get an intelligible S, that's what we're going for. So yeah, and and so I will you know talk about the counterparts, right? I can't I can maybe recall on one hand the number of times I've worked on the Z sound, the Z. I very rarely work on it. I, that's another sound like F and V. I find that working on S, Z will come. Uh, so, you know, there are some kids where the pattern is so ingrained, whether it's a list, uh, you know, a frontal or a lateral list, that you do need to work on both phonemes. Um, often we're working on this sound with school age kids that are a little bit older. Again, you know, cognitively, they can conceptualize the sound a little bit better. So you can work on, you know, the noisy, you know, quiet counterparts. Uh, so I will refer sometimes to like F and V, S and Z as buddy sounds, you know, so, you know, they're in the same family. So, uh, but, you know, with S, I, I tell the kids it's a very common called the snake sound, right? I it, as the opposite to th, I tell them that you know their tongue is a snake, their teeth are a cage, and they need to keep the snake inside the cage. Uh, it is a, quite a visual sound in the sense that it's error 
becomes very visual. So you don't really see the S unless you're making an error, right? You're turning it into a TH or you're pushing it really hard against the teeth and it's flattening. I also tell them that you want it to sound uh, like a, a really sharp hissing sound. So uh, like a cat that's hissing at you, or if you cut your finger and you go, ow, you know, that type of thing. And so just getting them to kind of realize, you know, when that sound might come out naturally. So with that, if it sounds, it, sometimes I'll tell them too to think about if it sounds flat, go back. Meaning that if your S sounds flat, your tongue is too far forward, pull it back a little bit. So I'll give them a little bit, you know, some, a cue like that as well. I've used, again, with S, I have used, you know, some uh, placement cues, like food items, honey, you know, that type of thing. But I, I do find that the, the more descriptive cues are more helpful than using, you know, food items and things like that. But it can be fun to work that in. Uh, I've also used straws. Uh, I, I particularly like the McDonald's straw before it turned into a <laughs> disposable straw, which is okay. I mean, I know those are great for the environment, but uh, the plastic straws are very helpful. So I do have quite a collection of straws that are various sizes <laughs> in my drawers downstairs in my materials room. So you can work your way, like if, if S is particularly, I find the straws are very helpful for lateral S because what you want with lateral S is what's happening there is air is coming out sideways. It's coming out through the cheeks, through the sides of the lips. You want it to come forward, right? Because that's where you're going to get that sharp hissing quality. So if you're using a straw, then it, even if you're holding the straw and you put your hand at the end of the straw, you want to be able to feel the air coming out the straw. So they can be good there, you know, it's, it's like a tactile cue, right? So you're feeling the air. So if you don't feel a lot of air, then you're getting too much air is escaping out the sides. And so I do find that they can be helpful, uh, sometimes confusing for little ones like preschoolers, but I don't often work on S in preschoolers unless it's a blend. So um, if kids are saying poon and top for stop, then I'll, I'll work on the consonant sequence. I don't really care about so much about the quality of the S. I just want them to get the consonant sequence because it's impacting how well they're understood. But usually with S, whether it's a frontal or a lateral lisp, if you're working on it as a single sound, you're, you're looking at older school age kids that you're really working on those ingrained patterns. And so you can use more descriptive type um, cues. You can use straws, you know, that type of thing. I, I've blown, like I want the air to blow, say, you know, a feather, I've used feathers, cotton balls, you know, you can also don't be afraid to shorten your straws, you know, so remember, the longer your straw, the more force you're going to need as far as, you know, the air quality and the air push that's coming out. So, you know, starting off with shorter straws is always a good idea if you're using straws to shape the sound or, or the quality of the sound uh, can be helpful as well. So, uh, so changing the size of your straw and also changing the length of your straw is something you need to think about. That is so helpful. First of all, I love how you just explained it so simply. If an S is a T in hold, like you're holding a T. That makes so much sense. I haven't even heard that before. So it's like hearing the t -t 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 makes so much sense to me. And then I love the straw idea for lateral S. I have yet to come across a lateral S. Well, I, I've even used a, um, a train, like driving a train over track. And I've had the train go, you know, t -t 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 
and kind of driven the train, you know, or I have the Thomas the Train set that I've confiscated from my son. And uh, so I have like a little bridge. And so I'll have the sound coming up to the bridge. And then when it gets to the top of the bridge, you let it go and it's a sound. So I, I find for that, you know, that works really well for for younger kids, right? For preschoolers, like it when you use visuals and toys and, and things like that. But it, it's, it can be very helpful. I've even tapped my arm on my way down to my arm and you hit your elbow and then you drag, right? Right, you drag down. So I, I find, you know, giving as many, like if we think about how kids learn, you learn by seeing, you learn by hearing, you learn by touching, you learn by thinking, right? So all, anytime you can give them any type of different cue for the same purpose I find it can be very helpful for kids thank you for running through that you have so many good ideas and so many creative ideas so uh, I hope everyone has, has a little notebook because I'm literally writing it down <laughs> um okay so now last but not least are <laughs> are everybody's favorite sound are uh, I have the K and the R in my name, Carrie. I've, I was a Terry for so long. So you know what? R is the reason why I first remembered wanting to be a speech pathologist, believe it or not, because I had a, a young cousin who was going to see a speech pathologist became a mentor of mine, and she was working on R. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a really hard sound, you know, and, and I realized that, you know, most definitely it is. It's a tough sound. What I find personally, through all my years of working with R, what is most challenging about R is that it's very variable, right? Everybody has a slightly different way that they use a combination of placement and manner to achieve their R. Um, depending on your dialect, depending on your accent, R can sound very different. With R, I find what's been most helpful for me to get kids to think about is I tell them it's my look happy, sound mad phoneme. So you slightly smile, but you're growling, right? So you're looking like you're happy, but the sound that comes out is not a happy sound. So I, I always will say to them as a cue to correct, remember, look happy. So, and that rather than, you know, kind of telling the smile constantly. Now, you know, I find the smile has been helpful for the kids to get placement. There's probably other therapists who have other different ways to get placement that work really well for them as well. So, but that's been helpful for me. And I find with our kids, it is nice because the growl does work well. Kids can understand the growl. They can understand needing to, uh, you know, need that quality of sound. They want it to sound angry or sound mad. Now, the reason why the smile as far as placement goes, and because to me, when you smile, the your midline of your tongue to the back of your tongue automatically elevates slightly. And that's what you want to happen for our right. So when you're smiling, those muscles, you know, just naturally pull the tongue up a little bit, but not the front of the tongue, but the, the back section of the tongue. So I find smiling helps get the tongue in a bit more of a natural position too. Uh, one of the things that I have to be cautious sometimes when I get kids to smile, they'll clench their teeth and then they'll swallow the sound. So it'll kind of sound like, oh, you know, like it, it's kind of going, you know, they're swallowing it down. So I'll, I'll, you know, give them a cue, don't swallow it, let it come out, right? You know, remember it's angry. You need that growl to come out, not to go back down. So I'll, you know, kind of describe it in that sense as well. Now that's usually an R in singleton, you know, like a single R. 
and I'll often work on initial R first, right? And even if I'm working on a medial R, like saying the word uh, parrot, you know, I'll say parrot. So if you think about it, it's a medial R, but if you're pausing, it becomes an initial R, right? Because you can get ready for it and then you can blend it back together. So I do, I use segmenting a lot where I pull the sound I'm working on away from the rest of the word and blend it back together. Uh, it works really well for some kids. You do have the occasional kids who it doesn't work well at all. They get very confused when you're pulling apart the word. So you just have to kind of go kid by kid. But I do find with R in particular, it does work well because then we venture into those vocalic R's, which are really nasty, right? <laughs> so I kind of, you know, for me, the three most common vocalic type R's, which are usually medial and final position, right? Depending on the word, is you have R, you have er, and you have or, right? So I have over the years kind of developed a little program myself about how I describe those sounds to kids. So I call the AR words like far or car, I call them the pirate R sounds. So I said, it's like you're being a pirate and you go, R, maybe, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, so we'll, you know, talk about that and we'll practice those types of sounds. And I will go, like it's, it's hard to pull apart. What happens in vocalic R's is your R sounds more like the vowel, right? It, it, it loses its growling quality and, be, and sounds a lot more like your vowel than it does your consonant. So you wanna be able to still keep the consonant, but make sure you've got a good quality R in there as well. And that's what makes it sound really, it's, it's a challenging target. Now, so I do pirate R for AR, vocalic, for er, so that would be your words like ir for like sir, or you are like fur, or um, um, what am I, uh, an er word? I can't even think of her. one right now. Oh, there you go, her, thank you, Shin. And her. Uh, so they all sound the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I call that one my cold r sound. So it sounds like when you're going you know, when you're cold. So, you know, it, it's just a way for them to kind of imagine that sound about what it should sound like. So if they think cold, then it, it helps them kind of get that quality out that they need to. Now with OR, which I find for me particularly is the most challenging vocalic R combination for kids because for two reasons. <laughs> um, the O is a rounded vowel. And I mean, we know that W's or, you know, there's a lot of rounded vowels, but we know a W is a very rounded sound too. So a lot of kids will substitute W for R, right? So when you get an O and an R together, your O is a rounded vowel. So it just, they pair together as a vowel way too easy. They're way easier to say, you know, it's way easier to say foe than four, um, you know, so, but I will, that is one sound that I, I call it the, oh, so grochy sound <laughs> or, oh, your grochy sound. So one of the things that I found very helpful for that one is to really not only practice the growl for the R, but to hold the O on the vowel. So if I have a word like four, I'll have them go, fo-er, right? So you're almost turning your or sound into the cold R, right? You're almost turning it into a different type of vocalic R, but then you're bringing it back together again because it is really hard to sequence four, right? Because it really, if you think about it, if you, 
you know, are trying to talk very precisely using the OR, it does kind of sound like an O with an er sound, you know, until the you know, co-articulation sort of takes over and everything gets blended together. So, so yeah, I use pirate R, cold R, and also grouchy R. And I, I use a lot of segmenting of the vowels. I take the vowel away from the R, I put it back together again. Uh, but it, those are sounds that you know, when the pattern's ingrained, it takes a lot of practice. Um, it takes a lot of self-awareness. Often kids do well when you record their sound so they can hear it back. Or if you, you know, show them different errors and ways yourself where they can kind of give you a thumbs up, thumbs down. And we'll, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about that anyway, because that's a strategy I use a lot just for all sounds is having kids be the teacher <laughs> uh, because they don't get to very often, but they sure do like doing it, so. So I, honestly, I think we could talk about R and S for ages and ages. And there's probably a lot of clinicians out there that have some super duper ideas uh, for S and R that I haven't covered, but those are just some of the strategies, some of the very common sounds that I work on all the time. And some of the placement and manner strategies that I've used to kind of help kids develop, you know, the right fit for them for the, all those sounds so yeah thank you for walking us through each of those sounds okay i hope everyone enjoyed that so we are all done our segment on articulation and next time we're going to be talking about feedback for students so we're going to be talking about cueing praise reinforcement self-assessment and we're just going to hear more about carrie's tips and tricks for feedback for students so stay tuned for that and i'll see you next monday